talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Philadelphia fans, boo. We do it better than anybody else, I'd like to think. And I wear it like a badge of honor. How can we judge a guy? How can we honestly assess his quarterback play when he's just given some of the most terrible weapons the NFL has ever seen? Here are your hosts. This is one of the more disappointing outcomes for a Philadelphia sports team in the last decade. And John Mita. But Ben Simmons, my God, learn how to shoot. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on Anchor.fm and all of your podcast platforms. I am Joe O'Donnell, joined by John Mita. The Eagles are in first place. They just beat Dallas. This should usually be a time of celebration. It's a celebration, bitches. However, it's not. Uh, John Mita, let's just fly off the handle here. And I want you to tell our listeners how you're feeling right now and how you were feeling last night after the game. Painful. Watching that was so painful. Just in every aspect. I mean, there were some good... There were some good... Some players made some plays in the game. Uh, there were some good performances, but all in all, you, you just thought that this was a game where any team should light up the Cowboys, considering how bad they are, considering the fact that they've kind of quit on their coaches already, and we barely snuck out a win last night. I mean, barely snuck out a win. If we, if the Eagles went up against any um, serviceable, yeah. Uh, above average quarterback, we would have lost. And we probably would have lost by a lot. I mean, it was – it's just – the thing is that, that makes me so that, – that pains me so much is you continue to see the same stuff over and over and over. For example, Carson Wentz. Obviously, people know what a, what a big supporter and fan I am of his, but – I was I was watching that game, especially like after the first. It's like, do you get to a point where it's time to maybe take a switch and, and you bench him, just to have him sit down and understand what he's doing is costing his football team. Yep, the interceptions, the turnovers, the holding of the ball. Like, this, there were a couple plays where he was like, "All right, nobody's open. I got nothing open." I'm going to throw the ball out of bounds. A couple, he flipped one out of bounds, like underhand. Like, so there were a couple spots. But then there's just so many bad decisions. Like, he just has this mentality. It's like he thinks he's like some invincible teenager on the football field where he's just like, yeah, I'm going to play the way I want to play. I don't care what anyone else says. I don't care how I'm getting coached. I'm just going to do it my way, and let's see what happens. We're going to roll the dice. And you just have to – like Dallas, for example, like their their turnover – I mean, their turnover ratio margin is like – they were like minus 13 on the season, and we gave them four turnovers last night. It's just – and I'm, I'm just so fed up with Doug Peterson and the play calling, the lack of creativity – I look at all these other coaches. Every Sunday I watch games, you know, I'm down into the red zone. I see these offensive minds just coming up with creative game plans. They're coming up with matchups, right? How can I expose this defense? 
just like teams look at our defense and they go, well, they're really weak at linebackers. So if I can get receivers matched up on their linebackers, if I can get one of my good pass catching tight ends, they get exposed. But it's just the coaching is just driving me crazy right now. But Carson's to blame too. I mean, I don't know if he's not accepting the coaching. There's a real disconnect, and I think there is a lot more dysfunctional dysfunctionality that, that that we don't know about as fans. I feel like there is like a huge, there's a big elephant in the room. Um, the bigger question is, you know, was Carson's Doug Peterson's guy when they made that pick? There was all the rumors coming out about. How Howie Roseman, he was making the decisions on who dresses and uh, for games and and who sits, and it just makes you wonder. I, I don't know, but we we won. We're in first place. Zippity doodada doesn't make a band a damn bit of difference because this is still not a good football team. But I mean, I don't I, I don't know how they get much better. That's the thing. And I think the only way for them to get better is for them to get a little more creative. Offensively, the defense kind of is what it is, and we're just going to take it for what it's worth. But I don't know. If I'm looking at bright spots in the game, I'll give you my bright spots before I let you go on and and start killing this team, and very well should. But Brandon Graham, you know, continues to make big plays. He's been huge. He needs to be making his first Pro Bowl this year, even though they're not going to have the game. Fulgham, again, just week in and week out. The guy's consistent. He looks like a player. And getting linebacker T.J. Edwards back, clearly he is the best linebacker on the football team. I think he had something like 13 tackles, you know, the big force fumble, which really kind of sealed the game for the Eagles. Um, So that was another bright spot. And – yeah, that's all I got, Joe. So what? Uh, well, let's go. Let's let, let's hear the misery. Yeah, here. I mean, I called you last night. I made a few phone calls last night. I was <laughs> looking back on it, not as probably inebriated as I thought I might have been. Um, the Bud Light, <laughs> the Bud Light can carnage wasn't as high as I thought maybe it was at the end of the game. But I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't enjoy the win. I, I still can't enjoy the win. I didn't talk trash to Dallas fans, who I know. I didn't celebrate the win. I didn't fist pump the win. I didn't, you know, have an extra couple of beers because of the win. Like, I literally, I have never been more frustrated and angry with a victory from in, from the Eagles in, in particular, I don't think, in my entire life. You know, I was thinking about earlier the the game where Carson Wentz got hurt against the Rams in 2017. That kind of looked like, man, this great team we have going this, you know, 10 and two, whatever they were, they might, you know, the season might now be over because Wentz is done for the year. Like I remember being rattled after that win, but I don't know that it was like an angry, I hate this team type of win. And my theory was, was uh, disproven. John Mita, we talked about in the last podcast here on the Brotherly Love Podcast, at Love Podcast on Twitter, I said to you that I had a theory that we wouldn't hate football for 30 days if the Eagles just took care of this crappy division. And, you know, they beat the Giants. They get sort of that mini-buy with the 10 days off. 
They beat the Cowboys. Now they have their bye. You come out of the bye, you beat the Giants. And, and I thought I might not hate football for a month. I hate football today. I've never hated a win more in my life that I can remember. It was frustrating. I was angry. It was embarrassing. Um, it's on national television. And you just come out and do everything in your power to try and allow the Cowgirls a chance to win that game. It felt a lot at times like that Bengals game where it was just like 70 minutes, you know, including overtime of just trying to find a way to give the game away. You know, how many times are you going to give a bad team momentum when they aren't earning it themselves? So it was just absolutely frustrating. Um, and I, so I want to congratulate the Eagles on making me hate a win. To me, like, that's like being the Philadelphia Phillies. That, this, this is like Phillies territory, okay? The Phillies can make me this upset and win a game. They blow a lead. The bullpen stinks. They come back, and somehow they win in the 13th inning on a walk-off, and you're like, God, I hate this team. But they got the win. And, that, and that's what I was feeling last night. You know, I put on SportsCenter, Scott Van Pelt, probably put it on halfway through a show. It happened to be right in the probably the, the middle of the second time they're running through the Sunday Night Football highlights. Um, and, and then they show Doug Peterson. And he's like, a win's a win uh, in this league, man. There's no pretty wins. There's no ugly wins. Like, and that's pretty much his quote. Really? Like, really? That's where we're at? He's still trying to spin this positivity. I've listened to a lot of WIP and the Fanatic today, which I've been doing a lot more of lately, just to get the pulse. And everybody, the hosts, the fans, they're all on the same page. Nobody saw that as fun. Nobody saw that as awesome. Nobody saw that as any type of positivity. You can go back. You can talk about the tape. You can give me this garbage that there were some misplays out there until you're blue in the face. We have eyes. It's the old smell test, right? This team is just not good. And we're halfway through the season now. Yes, they're in first place. But today, I spent two minutes looking at the Washington football team schedule to see what they have coming up. They have the Giants after their bye, which was this week. You know they're going to beat the Giants. And then they've got the Detroit Lions. So the Washington football team are going to probably win their next two games. Again, they stink. Don't get me wrong. But I told you last week, I think they're the biggest threat to the Eagles to win this terrible division. And I still believe that to be the case. This team is frustrating, this Eagles team. Um, the, the Wentz turnovers are maddening. It's time and time again. He's got 50-some fumbles, like, since 2016 or something crazy when he entered the league. Like, think about that. 55 fumbles or whatever it is. Like, that is insane. The picks, leading the league in picks, leading the league in sacks. How are you going to win in December and January with that as your recipe? You're not. You're not. And so all you're doing is delaying the inevitable. You're masking what's a bad, bad product. Like, it upsets me that they win a game like this because I feel like it lets the players off the hook and it lets the coaches off the hook, that they don't need to be better. Well, we damn well know when they start playing better teams, they better be better. If they come out of the bye and play like they did last night, they won't beat the Giants again. And I just don't get it. The head coach, like, if there was a football game, can you fire a coach at halftime, John Mita? Do you know? Is that possible? Um, halftime, I've never seen. Yeah, I after think you can, game... though. I would literally, after the game ended last night, both coaches yeah. should have been fired. Both. Mike <laughs> McCarthy is lost. I don't know. Ben DiNucci threw the ball 40 times last night. Think about that. And 35 of them were signed on. Oh, my God. What? 
Just well, look at ugh. look at too. The other thing is, Mile or um, Boston Scott was running the ball, With eight yards a carry yeah. or something crazy. Yeah, he looked they like Boston worst. Scott from late last year. For the first time the all worst. year, he had a little yeah. spark, and it makes me wonder. You know, was just like that. Not thinking he was the guy going into the year with Miles Sanders. I don't know what 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 took eight weeks for him to get going. Uh, but it's just frustrating. I mean, look, you're going to get Miles Sanders back after the bye. You're going to get Lane Johnson back. Both those guys are going to play, and yeah. you're a better football team, unquestionably a better football team. Than those two guys are in the line. Miles Sanders is your best playmaker. I've been saying it for weeks. It's not even up for debate. And Lane Johnson's your best lineman other than Jason Kelsey. And you could probably flip a coin on those two. So you're going to get better just with being healthy. Doug said today, no major injuries out of the game. Slay's okay. That guy that came off the street, like, fifth straight week, a guy's playing. Yeah. (laughs) Fifth straight week, I've seen a guy and go, I've never heard of him before. Um, The Eagles lead the league in that. (laughs) What, um. I mean, I'd like to see Jordan Maliata, um, Maliata. Um, I'd like to see him, like, if you know, if Lane Johnson is good to go on the right side. I'd like to see Jordan Maliata stick at left tackle, Lane get the right tackle, and I would throw Jason Peters' ass back at right guard. Yeah, next to and, Lane and not, to protect him a little next bit. Next to Lane, exactly. Next to Lane, and right then and there, That'll be your best offensive line combination for the year, yes. in my opinion. And you could get Sam Allo back here at some point. Right. That's what I was wondering. I was wondering when he was coming back because, like, they were so non-definitive right. on the timetable. They're like, well, he's going to miss some time. Well, well, how much time are we talking about? Are we talking, you know, two to four weeks? Or are we talking more of the latter, six to eight weeks, eight to ten weeks? Like, I just hate it when they say that and you just have no idea. I mean – and then if they get him back, I mean, with the offensive lineman getting healthy, that's going to help both both facets of offense. Yep. It's going to help the run game tremendously. Obviously, Carson's going to have some time, and he had some time a lot back there. It's just that I don't know if they're calling the right routes. And then he, he missed some people. There was a blitz play, I think, on fourth down. Yeah, with the second ends fumble. Ends up getting yeah. The second fumble – but Greg Ward is running a drag right across the formation, and, and he had him if he just let it go immediately. Yep. And, you know, those are the things. He's just – I just – I mean, I can't give up on the guy, but I, I just wonder what else is going on in that damn building. Yeah. Like, no, that's a great not, point. It's a great point. Does he, does he not like Press Taylor? Like, that guy's been QB coach. I mean, somebody did, I guess um, – Brandon Gowder, the guy who does like bleeding. Yeah, Brandley Gowder. Yeah, Brandley Gown. I think he brought up. He was like, "Why does Press Taylor, Press Taylor, still have his job? Like, you know, he's been the QB coach for three years right now, and we've seen nothing but regression." Yep. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, this is what I do know. Okay, for this football team to improve moving forward, let it be. It's not going to happen at this season, but it's got to happen at the end, of the off season, or what have you. Is it Doug Peterson has to take the play calling? It, it's got to be out of his hands. Yep, they got to bring somebody else in to do that. N- nothing against Doug. It's just that he's no, no. Just don't give me this. Call. Nothing against Doug. He can't yeah. call plays. Well, that's it. Yes, he cannot Listen, call plays. I I gotta find this. Here we go. Okay, 
It's third and six. They're up seven to six in the game, okay? The Eagles are leading seven to six. It's a third and six. They're just past midfield. I don't – I like, literally, when the Eagles hit their 40 to the opponent's 40, that 20-yard span, I feel like Peterson is at his absolute worst in play calling. But Dallas calls a timeout, okay? So they're gifting you the chance to come up with your best play. And they ran a double reverse, or whatever the hell that was, where Greg Ward trips and gets four yards. And then they punt. Uncle, like, I've had enough. Like, at that point, I was – this coming off the previous fourth down, which they went for, and the play you referenced, the strip sack. Like, you're just giving Dallas momentum a short field. Like, they gave you a timeout to come up with a play, and that's what you came up with on third and six? Is Greg Ward on a freaking double reverse? Well, the other thing is, like, it was like another time I think they went for it. I don't know. Maybe the same play, but it was. They like went for it three times four. on fourth down. I don't think they yeah, got yeah. it once, other than the sneak. No, right. There was like a fourth and three. So then they kind of put Carson in like a five-step drop. It's like it's fourth and three, right. and it's a shotgun, and it. there's no right. running back, so you know what the right. deal is. Or they motion right. the back in, which means you know he's going to block. Right. Exactly. Uh, it's just, just it's infuriating, man. It's infuriating. All right, and listen, WIP was talking about a lot. You put more of the blame on Wentz or Peterson. Listen, Wentz is the blame for the egregious mistakes, holding the football in that first series instead of throwing it out of bounds. The interception uh, to Rager towards the end of the first half in the end zone, like he could have crawled for seven or eight yards. Instead, he tries to heave it on the run into the wind. It gets picked off in an amazing interception for the record. But just take what is given, all right? An old coach in hockey, John Torchetti, Boston guy, no nonsense, never pulls any punches. He's as honest as it gets. He always called it the twig play, especially when a team's on a power play. Like, take what is given, T-W-I-G, the twig. The Eagles don't ever take what is given. Just be simple, be smart, run the ball last night, don't make any mistakes, and you win by 30, and we're not even having this conversation. We're laughing at how bad Dallas is, and we're thinking this team has momentum. Instead, they show us exactly what they are, which is a team that makes so many mistakes, they're not talented enough to overcome those mistakes, and they have to find a way late to pull one out of their ass. This team has three wins, none of them have been pretty, and all of them have been basically come from behind. I mean, they were losing at halftime last night to that Dallas team. I, it was a joke. I wanted to smash something last night. I Again, I have never been more try, – try me. I want our listeners to give me an example. I don't care. Email. You can voice memo on Anchor. Leave us a message. We'll play it back for crying out loud. Just go to anchor.fm and find us. You, you find me a worse win. You find it for me. A 14-point win where they covered the spread – and yet the team stinks and nobody's happy about it. You cannot literally find one. No. No. I mean, Brandon just... Graham saved the game last night. Eight minutes in, I was ready to put my head through a wall. If he doesn't come up with that strip sack, it's at least 6 nothing, if not 10 nothing. And who knows if the Eagles find a way to win that game. Yeah. And bailed, you know, a lot of times the defense has been bailing Carson out. And, and, and now it's time for Carson they got to do their job better. I mean, they just have to 
And I just don't. The turnovers kill the momentum, dude. They kill the mojo. The whole team. The defense starts getting gashed after a turnover. And I love love how they're, like, taking, like, 35 deep shots when the wind is howling. Right. And it's like going in. I thought you know you got to take some shots because Dallas is a joke defensively. But when you see the wind and you see the way the ball's traveling in warmups, you got to have the ability to scratch that from the game plan. Exactly. And if Dallas Goddard wasn't healthy, why the hell was he in the game? He didn't. He didn't look. They targeted him what once, twice. I would say twice. Right. He had a big catch on the drive that set up the Fulgham touchdown. But, yeah. you know, Richard Rodgers had, had been doing fine. Three, four catches yeah. a game, finding some openings in the middle. He was invisible because you played Goddard the whole time, and I don't know if he was a decoy or what. Well, they also – they also what part of their game plan was what they wanted to do is they wanted to run a lot of four wide receiver sets. That was, like, their whole thing. They were all excited about it. Doug mentioned that, you know, that's the type of personnel that they're going to do a lot more with now that they had some receivers come back out yeah. By the way, Will Parks had a nice game. You mentioned Fulgham. It was nice yeah. to see Will Parks actually step up and play, considering he's been, you know, talked about as a trade bait piece uh, with the trade deadline tomorrow. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I don't think they do anything. To be well, I mean, why I mean, what would you game. do? <laughs> well, I mean, there was a, a linebacker that, uh, what is it, Avery Williamson, that got traded to the Steelers. For like a seventh round draft pick from the Jets. I mean, I would have taken a look. I mean, linebacking has been a problem with this team big time. I, I would have maybe made a move that way. Right. Or another corner. Desmond King, he gets traded. I liked him. He played for the Chargers. Yeah, did he get he's dealt today? I saw he was up for he's on the block. A, yeah, yeah. He got dealt to the Titans today for like a six round draft pick. I mean, for a six rounder to get a starting corner. That, yeah, way better. He's better than Monte Maddox. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, right. Yep. And that's, yeah. I don't know what else to say, but you're 100% correct. There's there's a couple positions that this team lacks depth, that lacks depth in. It's got to be linebacker, running back, and corner are the three main things that I think that are really – that you could use some type of upgrade. Not sell the farm, right. but some type of upgrade. John Mita, your confidence meter right now. Scale to 1 to 10 for this football nope, team. It's nope, a strong 5 Nope, nope, nope. That was good. I like where you're going on the head coach, What's Doug that? Peterson. Uh, right now I'm at a six. With You're him. at a six with him. Yeah. Why would you be so yeah. high? Are you <laughs> high? <laughs> Jesus. I mean, all right. Where are uh, okay. you? You're at a two. All right. Uh, maybe not even. Jim Schwartz what? or Doug Peterson? Who do you have more confidence in right now? <laughs> Come on, I'm putting you on the spot with your boy. I can't believe you're going to put me on the spot like this. <laughs> you know how much I love. Jim Shorts, but right now I gotta say I got more confidence in Jim Shorts. I'm yes, gonna, I'm gonna give him a seven right now, strong seven. Wow, uh, not much more, but a more than Doug. But seriously, because, how can you have any confidence in Poopy Peterson? You know how? how? I mean, I just I. What has I he done know. since since Frank Reich <laughs> left his organization and John DeFlippo left his organization? The Eagles are basically a 500 team. The quarterback, for all we can see, has gone backwards. 
Uh, he's had flashes. He's had moments. He has made big plays. But, you know, from a consistency standpoint, it's just not there. How can you tell me the personnel decisions, he's got to have a hand in his head coach. The scheme, he's got to have a hand in his head coach. The hiring of 48,000 assistants, he's got to have a hand in. And if he doesn't, then he's a puppet. And Howie Roseman is running the organization. And the whole thing's ass backwards. How can you, how can you feel confident about Doug Peterson right now? I have zero confidence in this guy moving forward to even make an adjustment, let alone change the way he thinks heading into game day. Yeah, um, I, I just think – here's what I think. I think some guys are good coaches because they can, they can manage a lot of different moving parts. He is just a terrible play caller, and it's obvious. And it's, and it was mass when they said, well, he called the plays some plays out in Kansas City. Well, that was a total lie, you know. But um, – I don't know. I, can you I, think he can manage a lot of moving parts? I think he's well, a good motivator. I think the guys well, like him well, and I respect mean, him. Well, I, that's kind of what I was getting at. I don't know if he's a great manager. I, I think he just needs to hire some better pieces and take a little piece and eat some humble pie and, and, and relinquish the play calling duties. If he can do that, again, that's going to be – that's going to – that's – I don't know if we'll do that because that is that is a huge omission if you're doing that. Right. Because then trying to get another job moving forward, that's going to be difficult. So, I don't know. Where does this team know. go from here, John? Maybe they get the bye. We'll talk about it again next week. They play the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as of now, oh. they're in first place. Do you, do you have confidence in this team making improvements where by the end of the year – we're not going, my God, they're going to lose by 40 in the wild card round. Do you have confidence that they're going to be the playoff team out of the NFCs? And do you have confidence this team will improve enough where the city can at least be proud of them, for Christ's sake? Um, I think all teams, mostly all Doug's teams have started this way. It seems like, and the fact that they had the lack of the preseason, I really think they're starting to iron out some of the kinks that they might have got rid of if they did have a preseason. Um, they, this team always tends to play just when you think they're down and out. They go on like a five- to six-game winning streak towards the end of the year. So, am I, am I, are they going to get to ten wins? Probably not. Um, could they win nine games? Possible. But you probably only need to win seven to win the division, it's as terrible as that sounds. So, again, I don't really look – I know Washington is a decent – I mean, they're, they're the biggest threat, but I really think this is the Eagles' division to lose. So, I think they're going to end up winning, and I, I just hope things get better. I hope Carson, we've seen it. We see some improvement. It's just funny to me, and it was brought up again last night with the people that I was hanging out with. It's like, why does Carson seem to do better when he throws to, like, wide receivers that aren't as good as some of the guys that are a little more high profile? It's very interesting dynamic to think about. Yeah. Just like at the end of last season when he was basically playing with a ton of practice squatters. It's like they were showing out. He was playing well. I just – it's so hard to figure out. I do think they're going to improve and get a little better. Well, um, they can't get worse. 
No, well, that's true. And the schedule, a lot of teams that, that are coming up that we thought could be juggernauts, could be – if you look at the NFL as a whole, they're, I mean, they're – if you look at the AFC, the Tennessee Titans, I know they took a bad L yesterday to Cincinnati. So, uh, at least right, there's probably five Cincinnati. good teams, right? Yeah, you got the Ravens, the Titans, the Steelers, and the Kansas City. Those are the cream of crop in the AFC. If you flip the script, look at the NFC, you got your Seattle, your Green Bay, Tampa Bay is going to creep up there. Um, nobody from our division is in there. Uh, and maybe, like, you throw in the New Orleans Saints maybe as that fourth or fifth team. But other than that, but if you look at all those teams, I mean, they're all still beatable. And Seattle's a very good football team, but their defense is a great. So, I mean, who knows? But I, this year is just uh, like any other, like none other that we've ever experienced in yeah. the country as a people. But NFL-wise, I mean, it, it's a total crapshoot. If you were to say, well, who's going to win the Super Bowl? I'd probably, you know, six, seven teams have a shot at it. Yeah. Usually there's like two, three dominant teams who are like, yeah, they're going to be there. And they could probably hoist the trophy. But I don't know. That's I, I, I think – the consistency issues, I mean, that's the biggest thing. We see this team have have good drives. We see the talent occasionally. We see the scheme occasionally. We see Wentz uh, with his leadership ability and that sense of urgency, play well and get to mojo, and then they just seem to shoot themselves in the foot. I don't know how you clean that up. Better play calling for me is, is one. 1A is Wentz not being an idiot. Um, you know, I tweeted before the game last night, four or five things I was looking for. And the fifth one was limit the stupid. Well, they didn't limit the stupid last night, yet they still came out with a win. So I don't know how you get smarter. I don't know how you play more within yourself, but it starts with coaching. And again, this false sense of security has got to go. Like you said, if you sit Wentz down for a couple of series or a half or a game, does he wake the hell up? Does he go, okay. I'm not invincible as far as being a starting quarterback goes. I better get my act together. I don't know. I don't know if that's the answer. But I do know that the head coach is a moron. He thinks he's invincible. He, he doesn't respect the league at times. Uh, going forward on all these fourth downs and two-point conversions, it's like, stop. You're not that good. It's not video game football. And I'll leave you with this, John Mita. I read this last night. It's from the Eagles blog, uh, blog Eagles Blitz blog. Um, it's not Brandon Lee Galton that does that one. Uh, gosh, what's the guy's name? Tommy Lawler, I think, on the Eagles Blitz. And he says, quote, this was not the week for hero ball. Unfortunately, Wentz didn't get that memo, and Peterson struggled to deliver the right message during the game. It is infuriating that Wentz is a turnover machine in a year that his team is so beat up and desperate for him to play smart, end quote. And I couldn't say it any better myself. That's the frustrating thing. It's like you're not that good. You're not that talented. You're, you're banged up. You're dysfunctional at times. Just play within yourself. Just, you know, stay in the game. Just give yourself a chance. And it seems like time and time again, they kill the momentum they have or any chance at swinging the momentum in a game by doing something stupid. And it starts with the plays that are called in. It starts with the time management and the philosophies. And who's playing even to some degree? Why guys are playing? You know, while other guys are on the bench, I have no idea. Nate Gary, we watched him for weeks just get 
eviscerated defensively, and yet he kept being put back out there in those same, you know, same spots. So it starts with coaching for me. Wentz has got to play smarter, and hopefully as this team gets healthier, they get more consistent. They stop being so dumb. They stop making so many damn mistakes, and they play consistent football. We haven't seen it through eight weeks, but here we are at the bye. Yeah, I mean, again, the hero ball. I, I agree wholeheartedly with what they said. It's just it's like just, you're not playing Madden just, on PlayStation. No, you know, no. That's it. That's where you can well, throw, uh, you know, on the run, forty yards into the wind, and just oh well, it's a video game. Like, right? That's exactly. not, you know, this is the NFL here. Like, you got to respect exactly. the opponent. You got to play a little smarter sometimes. Sometimes you just got to punt the ball and live to fight another set of downs. Take the sack or throw it away or go for three yards and then run out of bounds instead of heaving it into the end zone. Oh, my God. I I thought I would feel better, and I don't know if I do. (laughs) And now we have two weeks where, again, I I feel like they lost the game last night. It. Felt like that to thousands of people in this area. And Doug doesn't get it. He's like, he literally said on the press conference, well, you know, you guys don't get to go back and watch the tape like we do. Yeah, Yeah. you can now, Doug. It's called the All-22. I can pay my 75 bucks and go watch the film, or I have a DVR. I can go back and watch the game. It's not going to change how I feel about the terrible performance you put forth for four quarters last night. Yeah, and that that could be two games in a row where they could have lost because of the coaching. I mean, yes. even the Giants game. I mean, that game was – I mean, if if Carson Wentz didn't ball out in the fourth quarter, I mean, that game might have been lost. In the last six minutes, not even the fourth quarter. Yeah, right, exactly. John, I mean, yeah. any thoughts on the Phillies or Sixers? I know we got the bye week here for the for the birds, so, you know, we may yeah. crank out a podcast next week where we can address, address other topics. Yeah, I mean, but the Phillies continue to magnify stupid. And Daryl Morey's yeah. press conference was today – uh, it's a new basketball, you know, president of basketball operations for your ten nine eight seventy six. Or anything you want to share? Well, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll dive into I mean, it more next week. But... Real quick, we'll dive into next week. Andy McPhail's an idiot. The biggest takeaway from his Zoom call was he wasn't sure they could find a general manager that would uproot oh, during this pandemic. I mean, meanwhile, the Sixers have completely rebuilt their coaching staff and front office during the pandemic. Yeah. And so, by the way, the Angels have interviewed here, but... 11 candidates for their GM job. Yeah. One of them so... is Rube and the Sun will come up tomorrow, Junior. Yeah. Uncle Rube. But no, 11, but I mean... 11 candidates they've interviewed, but the, the Phillies are they're worried nobody's going to take the job or what? Like, uh, Or they just don't want to pay the money. And let's, let's not pull any punches. The thing is, when – Clintac stepped down. You, you thought there was going to be some change. Yes, they just moved. They just moved people down the yep. hall. Yep, and reassigned them. Reassigned them. It's like he doesn't want to get rid of them because he doesn't want to pay the end of their contract. Right. It's like when Howie yeah. got put in the janitor's closet for a season. Exactly. Exactly. And it, you know what? Meanwhile, Josh Harris, 76ers owner. Yeah. He was like in a press conference today. He emphasized three times, probably. You know, when, when executives of this high caliber and coaches of this high caliber become, become available, available, you jump you on it. Strike. You strike quick. Yep. Absolutely. And, he, and literally, Daryl Morey said they wouldn't leave him alone. He yeah. was going to take time off, spend time with yeah. his family, maybe take his a season kids. or two off. 
Exactly. And the Sixers were berating him to come take the job. Yep. Doc Rivers was in his ear. Boom. Done deal. Yep. It'll be interesting to see moving forward in regards to the Sixers because during that press conference, he talked about you can win a championship with Joel Embiid, but it seems like he's leaning more towards keeping Embiid and maybe getting rid of Simmons if they decide to do that. They might not. They might not, but right. it's, you know, this guy's made a ton of trades over his yep. executive shit. I smell a draft day Simmons. deal coming that involves Ben Simmons. Yeah. Could be. I Could smell be. the chance to move up into that top five or whatever it takes to get a, you know, a yeah. bona fide star. And you go Embiid, yeah. Harris, said yeah. top five pick, and whoever else you can get in free agency, and you roll with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to draft a move just to move up to get my boy from Villanova, Sadiq Bay, because I think he is going to be one of the best players that come out of this draft. But that's just me. So I love it. Anyway. All right. Well, the Phillies are old and curmudgeon, and, and they just they're pissing me off. The fact Didi Gregorius didn't get a qualifying offer makes him uh, stab somebody. Uh, God. Like, he didn't have a decent year. Uh, right? Like, he wasn't an inner girl. He's a gamer. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have all these great shortstops coming up through the farm. Dude, if I have to look now. at Jetpacks play 140 games next year at short, I'm going to kill somebody. I'm with you. And that's called premeditated. All right, Johnny made a great job, brother, as always. I know we kind of just ranted. We didn't have a whole lot of script for this one, but appreciate everybody tuning in on the Brotherly Love podcast. Again, we do have that voice memo thing on Anchor. Uh, yeah, the somebody Anchor use app. that. Let's get creative. Yeah. We love to play that. Essentially, it's like, a, it's like a caller hotline. You can find our podcast. You can leave us a voice message. I will get it, and we can blast it out there on the airwaves. So, uh, again, appreciate the Plenty support. Yeah, we got lots of time for the next uh, podcast here. Johnny Mead, always a pleasure, my friend. I'd say always, go Jeff. Birds, Good but I, I'm kind of – I'm just upset. Okay. As long as oh, hey, real quick, real quick. How was, how, was, yeah, how was Duke Riley not offside? Oh, wow. The Duke? I On mean, the strip sack that McLeod picked up and scored. I think it's Goldilocks yellow hair, like, kind of pulled him back right at the last second. I mean, I literally didn't even celebrate when, the, when I was, like, as the ball was snapped, no, I'm like, well, it's going to be third and one because they're getting a free five yards. Yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, – the officials were bad on both sides. Yeah. Last night, bad but, football game, so. bad officiating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And here we are. All yeah. right, brother, good Breathe stuff again, as brother. always. You're the man. You got it. Appreciate everybody tuning in for John Mita, Joe O'Donnell. At B Love Podcast on Twitter. It's the Brother of Love Podcast. First place birds or something like that. Till next time, we'll see. <laughs>